This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Use code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Friday, March 24th. Brendan. Yes. Under one week. I know. I know. I know. I'm starting to get that itch, you know? Like this this is this is the unsettling time cuz you are excited about it but at the same time you're seeing some of the players and the final roster decisions and it's like a mix of being a little bit anxious but a little bit excited too. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's you know it's just an interesting spot. Like I I feel like you and I have done preseason episodes for several years now the first chunk we were always expecting the Cubs to be quite good and and World Series contender this is our eighth season yeah and we've also had you know a, a couple seasons in the past two years where we were very unsure and I think pretty pessimistic about you know what might be going on and this one feels somewhere in the middle right? Like it, it definitely doesn't feel as like last year going into the year, it was like, this team is not going to be very good. Right. Like I kind of thought there was a chance. Well, anything can happen. Right. But like all things considered, unless there's several miracles, this team is not going to be that good. Well, I was hoping for a miracle. You're yeah. You're a glutton for punishment. At the end of the day, we're all Cubs fans. So that's how it all ends up. But this year, you know, I, I think the expectations are pretty measured, and I think for a lot of people, still relatively low to obviously where we would like them to be for the Chicago Cubs, but better, right? And I, and I think there's certainly just a lot more curiosity with some of the guys that the Cubs have brought in, some of the guys that are coming up. Uh, I do like that at this point, we're on a pretty similar schedule, you and I, when we get on the show, to like around when Hayden Wisniewski pitches. So yeah. you and I are in a much That was intentional. Mood. Yeah, when we yeah. do these shows. And I, I think he in particular is a, is a good reason, uh, you know, why I think people are at least, compared to last year, a lot more intrigued and like interested I think in in this team again even if albeit the expectations are not at the height that we would like them to be and that they were of course several years ago yeah the the expectations around Wesneski I feel as if they're they've been growing the past like two weeks like for you and me maybe it was just me but like they've never changed like he's always had this type of stuff he was showcasing that psycho attitude all last season in September. Like, this is who he is. This is a potential frontline starter that understands what he needs to do to reach that potential. He knows he needs to get that fastball up a notch. He talked about it, but he has the underlying features to do it and is now being recognized. And it bodes well, I think, for the Cubs' future, but also just on their ability to recognize talent and also develop talent too. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, I, I think for me, I, I don't, I don't know that the expectation has changed, but I think you just sort of expect uh, a young guy like him to, I don't know, maybe have some struggles in the spring, or just you know, we came into the spring sort of having this debate about everybody's role and this and that and the other. Like, I, I I've always seen the potential in him. That was clear the the minute, really, honestly, the minute we started watching the tape when he got traded uh, to New York or from New York. Uh, for Scott Efros, mm-hmm. but then, of course, when he makes his debut, it's like, oh, okay, like this is dazzling, right? <laughs> but to watch him just dominating these spring games, I, I mean, filthy. And we mention this, you know, every time, like, you know, it's the, you've got the pitching ninja uh, throwing up the, you know, vomit emoji for his slider every day, every time he goes out there on the mound. Uh, on Thursday, it was another five innings, five strikeouts. He gave up uh, one unearned run. Like, he's just dominating every day. Yeah. And so I guess that was what I wasn't necessarily expecting, was him to show up in this spring in particular and just go out and basically demand the fifth spot in this Are rotation. you surprised? Are you surprised? I mean, I guess inherently, if I'm saying I wasn't expecting it, yeah. But in terms okay. of, like you have, have pointed out a lot, the stuff, his attitude, his demeanor in that sense, not really. I think we maybe yeah. all should have just seen this coming. He, this is, you know, 
he he wanted it and he's just seems like that kind of guy where he's like i'm gonna go get it like i dare you not to start me in the you know first five days or whatever of the season i think how he ended last year was underappreciated 33 innings a k per nine of nine a walk rate per nine under two an era of 2.1 showcasing elite command in the 95th percentile of hitting the edges of the zone to go along with a slider that is also in like the 99th percentile of stuff with that attitude. Like sometimes it's kind of hard to really express enthusiasm, but this this is a really unique pitcher. Not many teams have a guy who has the attitude, who has the dynamic secondary stuff and has the ability to recognize how he needs to improve. And that's been one feature that I've learned more about Hayden this spring, listening to Ryan talk to the coaches about him, to Ryan talking with Hayden and the the other guys. He is such a perfectionist and such uh, uh, a self-critical thinker that he he, to me, it signifies that he has a legitimate chance to improve on those weaknesses. And the weakness probably is on that dominant four-seam fastball. But despite that, still has a cutter in this in the 95th percentile of stuff. His sinker, likewise, was in the 95th percentile of stuff. So is it really that big of a deal to not have a dominant four-seamer? Maybe not, but to go from like a below-league average four-seamer to average, that could boost him up mm-hmm. and to the top you know, half of any team's rotation. That's a really big deal. And it just, like one last point before we move on here, but th- this is why a lot of those stuff graders are so powerful because guys like him, like Hayden, who have been underappreciated by scouts, by top prospect list. For years, they come up and they showcase what they have and it's objective. He is one of the better guys throwing a slider in Major League Baseball on the Cubs at this age. It's not a for sure thing. Never is it a for sure thing. But you have to be excited that for the first time in my Cubs fan life, having a prospect with that type of stuff is unbelievable. It's unfamiliar. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Well, and it's it's just a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I think he's also one of those guys, too, where you watch those breaking balls, um, if you watch any of the videos. Like, I think even if you, you know, I'm not, I'm not a scout. You're not a scout. Even if you're someone that doesn't watch a lot of baseball, like, it's just the type of pitch where you go, oh, yeah, that seems really good. It's, it's disgusting. It's like, look at how it's this obvious. is moving on the TV, right? Yeah. Like. It's it's just kind of like on that simple level, it's like, yeah, this seems really nasty, even if I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I yeah. liked, I had a, a sort of like weird Cubs brain moment earlier today because I think uh, there was a quote from him. The, the guns usually in spring training in Arizona are a little hot, right? So I think they, they clocked him at 97 once, which maybe, but a lot of times these guns are a little hot. But even if he's like, you know, mid-90s a bunch, like as you were just talking, that's obviously a huge deal. But I think they asked him about touching 97, and he, uh, I was just reading it in a tweet, and he said, yeah, I'm trying to be like Javi. And I was reading it, and my initial reaction was... Was Javi Baez. Well, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I, so I read the, the quote, and I'm like, how would that make him like Javi Baez? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, what what does throwing 97 have to do with Javi Baez? And then I was like, oh, he meant Assad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, we're still stuck in that it, area it sometimes. Took me, you know? It took me a real minute. I was like, wait, what am I not thinking of? Like, I know yeah. Javi Baez could do literally everything, but what does this have to do with him? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> Did he play on any important teams for the Cubs, Javi Baez? Javier Baez? Javier Baez, oh, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. He was on the 2016 Chicago Cubs. He was actually the co MVP of the okay. NLCS that year with John Lester, number 34, oh, okay. the left hander, your boy. Okay. Uh, and okay. then the two of them with the Chicago Cubs went on to also win the World Series together. Oh, that's yes. That's right. why you're thinking. That's the World why Series. my that's brain why. read that quote <laughs> and was like, "It makes sense." Baez. Why are we talking about okay. Javi Baez? Does Hayden Wisniewski even know of Javi Baez? You know, as far as their timelines with the Cubs not matching yeah. up. And then I was like, "Oh no, he meant Javi Assad, who Baez. is currently uh, on this team and threw 97 and 
was hitting the upper 90s with you know he's interesting classic do you have he's interesting or Assad yeah well I was I don't know if I was talking to you or someone else about this but uh one of the guys at CubsCon one of the pitchers was asked by a fan which pitch do you wish you had from someone else on the team I forgot who it was that pitcher said Javier Assad's fastball Mm. And I remember hearing something, what the hell is he talking about? He throws like 92, 93. So I sent uh, Assad to like one of my uh, friends who's a coach in the league. And I'm like, what am I missing here? He's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, there's nothing really to miss. Like his fastball is kind of like, okay. I'm like, all right. Well, maybe it was just like a joke. Maybe it's true that Javi Assad, this markedly improved his fastball velocity and everyone knew about it. And everyone knows this is a big deal. Yeah. That's my theory. All right. Uh, uh, you know, very interesting. So 97, every single start. Yeah, I mean, I know, a, a very interesting option for the Cubs and, you know, obviously performing that well on such a stage in the World Baseball Classic is uh, certainly going to, and has already had, raised a lot of attention. So yeah. interesting to see what the Cubs do there. I, I Since we're talking velocity, you and I have not spoken about this uh, and he did pitch in the game, the most you know recent game, if you're listening to this on Friday morning. Uh, you and I have not touched on Keegan Thompson. So Keegan Thompson pitches oh. in the game on Thursday, two scoreless innings with two strikeouts, no hits, no walks, no runs, nothing, right? Uh, but the velo has been down, and the Cubs have reportedly been working quite hard uh, at that velo. Uh, in the first inning of work on Thursday, he threw just eight pitches, uh, and I'm, I'm reading this information from Sahadev Sharma of The Athletic, uh, and he says, uh, seemed like just two fastballs, both registered at 92, couple cutters that Sahadev saw at 87-88. He goes on to say still down, but this feels like a slight bit of progress. So I- I'm, I'm curious you know, just your thoughts. We've kind of operated yeah. this whole time that Keegan was going to immediately be in this bullpen and have a, a multi-inning role and continue to be the kind of uh, is really quite useful and, and successful weapon in that role out of the bullpen, giving Ross uh, a ton of flexibility in terms of how long he lets his starters go, how much he leans on some of the, you know, maybe shorter high leverage relievers. Um, so, Now, this is an interesting one, right? Because if the velo has been down, uh, I believe it was friend of the podcast, uh, Greg Zumak, who had pointed out the other day that Keegan's fastball, the results when it was in the lower 90s versus the mid 90s was quite a bit different. He got hit a lot harder when he was not able to touch that upper end of uh, his higher velocity. So I'm curious from your perspective, if you can just kind of articulate for us, how hard is that? or excuse me, uh, how big of a deal is his velo being down right now? Are you concerned about that? Do you think that affects how the Cubs decide to break camp? Do they wait until he kind of gets that up? What what are you thinking about this? And I guess, how do you square that all? Uh, Of course, it's just spring training, but look good today. Had a a very nice outing today and hasn't given up a run in the spring. Well, there's a sense of individuality when it comes to him and his velocity. In in a vacuum, not good to have velocity dip. There's several explanations why that's happening, none of which are going to be made available to us. This has happened in the past for Keegan. Sahadev did talk about that, saying this has been a thing before. Of course, he returned his velocity back to the mid-90s. Um, so it could be something that is just exclusive to Keegan. Now, the question is, Okay, despite that velocity dip, do you start him in at the big league level or put him in Iowa? Well, then the question is, okay, well, if Hadevi is working and Moskos is working with Keegan to improve that velocity, what is the likelihood that he can do the same in Iowa? Does it make more sense to let him work with the big league crew, the tech, the luxury of being in a big league clubhouse to amplify his velocity and do so in a faster way? That might be something they opt for, to keep him in the environment to get that velocity back up to par. In doing so, he just maybe doesn't pitch as often. He may pitch in lower leverage situations because of his velocity being lower, but this is something that's difficult to project. In a scenario where it's a short week and that's all you have to play games-wise and you need those wins, maybe you don't want to have Keegan be in that situation because the velocity is down, but because you have 150 games plus after the first week, it may make more sense just to 
think about leaving Keegan on the roster to accelerate the point at which he'll get that velocity back. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to default to what they want to do. Like, well, like, what are we like, you know, it's like they have all the data. They know probably what's going on to some degree. Like, I, Hey, I would hope figure they it know. Out. <laughs> I mean, I'm, Here's yeah, the thing. I'm no, not well, and look, I mean, he's out all. there pitching, so clearly they're not yeah. concerned that he's dealing with anything physical or anything like that. And, you know, sometimes we see this in the spring. Some guys take longer to ramp up. They're, you know, not necessarily at their their peak form where they want to be. It takes them a little longer. It's fine. Didn't I, Lester have something like this years ago? I feel like in tw- maybe I'm just misremembering. Well, John could pitch through anything, so it doesn't matter. That's true. Um, That's true. I don't know. This sounds like a Hendricks thing. If if any, well, if don't don't, don't say that. That's not let's not encourage. No 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 no. Last I'm saying where we're looking at his velo in March and oh. thinking, well, it needs you know three four miles an hour to make everybody comfortable, and then he would yeah. get there you know by April or whatever. But yeah. um, I only ask that because yeah, so that did happen. So sorry to interrupt you there. So 2015, Lester had a dead arm on March 20th. Hmm. <laughs> so like it's you know it happens. The reason I didn't remember that is that was obviously his first spring as a cub That's i wasn't why. i wasn't in love yeah. with him yet you yeah. know took some time so only only a few months later right you became um yeah. but yeah i just ask about keegan in particular because obviously it's 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 been a topic uh, amongst you know cubs writers and cubs social media and you know there's been a lot of talk of, of the cubs doing a lot of work and you know trying to get him back there uh but it's you know also interesting as he goes out there on thursday and score throws two scoreless innings still getting strikeouts and again has not given up a run uh in the spring so obviously just want to get our pitch doctor's thoughts on one keegan thompson yeah i'm not worried about it yeah and i th- i think either way um and this is similar to a few guys that the you know the cubs have uh you know very different situations with but i think like you said like w- w- however they want to go about it to ultimately get Keegan to where he needs to be and to be that weapon for this team and and for this bullpen whenever you know however that pace goes is fine right like sometimes not everything is going to be exactly where you want it to be um you know on next Thursday when the Cubs are taking on the Brewers and if it's a couple days whatever or if it happens next week before they leave Arizona great right it as long as they get him there and i'm confident that they will it's okay it is weird though i'm not going to be like oh i'm not you know upset about it it's a little irritating because you you want to start out of the gate full throttle so of course like having keegan take a step back is not a good situation but in general i'd be surprised we're talking about this persisting three weeks from now i think this is just like a ramp up issue and it sounds as if that's what it will ultimately be. So I'm not I'm not concerned about it. I mean, other guys have not looked good either. I don't think Steele has looked at that great command all over the place. So some guys, it just takes them a while to get going. All right, so quick break here from our first sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Right now, we have baseball starting, Corey, under a week to go. DraftKings is your app to bet those baseball games. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Also, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with Coach CHGO, you can bet the latter end of this NBA season and playoffs will be starting up soon. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. It's been Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a deep beer roster. They have the Blackhawks, Pale Ale, the Hawks, and Goose Island have actually been neighbors for over 25 years. There's the Goose Pub in the UC that's been open for almost a decade. The Tap Room is a pregame destination for Hawks fans. They do a lot of charity work. They have been doing a lot of charity work for over two years now. They have other beers. They have the Bourbon County Stout, the Beer Hug IPA Series, the Green Lion, the Matilda. They also have two locations that are open and ready to welcome you. You can grab a beer from their innovation tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1-800 West Fulton, or you can get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 1-800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations, Goose Island Beer Company. 
All right, Brendan, uh, we do have some roster cuts that came in on Thursday. Uh, obviously want to talk about those uh, in some more detail. Uh, I think the notables, Nelson Velasquez, Matt Mervis, David Bodie, David Bodie uh, Cam Sanders, Nick Birdie, Manny Rodriguez, Brendan Little, yeah. someone who you know had been interesting in the spring as a, as a left-hander. Um, Great name. Yeah, I, you know, at this point, I haven't really been surprised by anything. Um, ben Deluzio uh, was also someone who was, when we started camp, maybe like kind of that depth utility type person that maybe the Cubs would have considered. Um, I thought Nelson maybe had a chance, you know, when we started camp, especially if Saya was was missing time. Uh, the news yeah. on that continues to sort of just get better by the day, which is really great. Which means I'm more nervous by the day, but okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We would we would rather that, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. News sounds good. Sounds like he, he may not miss too much of April, which, again, is really just a, an amazing potential outcome. We're not there yet. He's got to continue to keep getting his work in, keep taking swings, keep waking up and feeling better, right? Uh, but just an amazing outcome for how scary that word oblique is when it, you know, first comes across your Twitter timeline. So that's great news. Uh, and maybe, you know, of course, if he's not going to miss as much time as they thought, that probably informs some of these moves. Um I, I guess, you know, I'll just ask you, you know, that, that was... Uh, I think the only people I did not mention, catcher Dom Nunez uh, and Sergio Alcantara uh, was the other yeah. one. Um, Alcantara, who's on his eighth stint with the Cubs at this point, I can't even remember. Great defense. Uh, great defense. Got a cannon. Yeah. Um, any surprises on this list? Any guys you were maybe hoping to see make the team? I, there's definitely some names on here I think we obviously have, have not seen the last of in 2023. I think yeah. uh, there there's going to be potentially some serious contributors in this group. I think obviously everybody has eyes on, you know, if and when Matt Mervis gets the call this year. Um, you know, Nelson obviously had a little bit of a shot uh, last year and I think, you know, showed some flashes and has that power. Cam Sanders, a uh, really interesting and, and I think high potential bullpen arm. Manny Rodriguez, obviously, the the velo and, and the potential there. Nick Birdie was awfully interesting, I think, when you watched him in the spring. Uh, but your, your initial thoughts on... Uh, this roster cut, which, you know, of course doesn't get us to 26, but we're, yeah. we're, we're getting there. Yeah. I, you know, the, the Nelson Velasquez send down is not surprising. I thought with say his injury, maybe they might be aggressive and give Nelson some opportunities. The main reason I thought that was because I thought last season, how they used them so much at the MLB level was unusual given how they've operated with guys in years past. He didn't get consistent playing time last season, but he still got 200 plate appearances, even through those struggles. So my thinking was they had confidence that he could work through those struggles and be a guy because they gave him so many opportunities last year when otherwise they could have given him daily at-bats in Iowa. So that's a little weird now that he's probably going back to Iowa to start the season, mm-hmm. I I don't hate it. I, I I guess I'm a little I'm confused with Mike Talkman because it, it appears as if he'll be the guy on on the roster. Uh, you would you would imagine so. Maybe maybe not. Maybe they change their thinking, or maybe they have some type of different um, construction that we're not thinking of. But to me, it seems like it's Velasquez. In, in Talkman, and it seems as if they did not choose Velasquez. So I don't know. I don't know how I quite feel about it. It is great that Nelson will be getting everyday playing time in Iowa, but my hope is if he has success right away in Iowa, even in the first two weeks, call him up. Right. Give, him that, give him that opportunity when Say is out. And sometimes that is a valuable experience you adjust faster the MLB environment is such a different exposure that can stimulate different adjustments so my hope is they stay aggressive with Nelson I understand the process I just hope that he is a major contributor in some way pretty soon 
Yeah, I, you know, and I, I think at this point, you know, we're starting to get a clearer picture of, you know, some of the way that they're leaning on some of this stuff. I, again, obviously, some of it's still in limbo. You know, we talked about like Keegan Thompson, right? Like if they decide to let him get, you know, a little bit extra of a, a ramp up to start the season uh, in extended spring or in the minors, like that obviously opens a roster spot. But it opens a roster spot only from someone who is uh, is definitely going to be on the team for the rest of the season, right? So stuff like that we're not really sure of, but then you have somewhat of an idea of where they're leaning in some ways. And, you know, so like David Bodie going down, um, you brought up Mike uh, Talkman. You also look at like Zach McKinstry potentially having, uh, you know, an inside track here, perhaps Miles Mastroboni. Uh, do they go with one of those guys? You know where you know we've we've had beat writers asking the question of Christopher Morell and where he's going, and now he seems to be trying to homer his way out of these discussions. Right, had a couple <laughs> yeah. days this week in a row where he hit a home run, uh, so he seems intent on at least trying his best to avoid uh, a a similar fate to Nelson Velasquez, right? Um, Yeah, and it's it's just interesting, I guess. Um, I didn't didn't need David Bodie to make this team. Your guy. I don't think. Expected Woba. Did you say my guy? Oh, because of that, right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. right. Uh, Yes, David Bodie has uh, basically for years when he's gotten regular playing time, uh, been a leader on, you know, exit velocity boards and expected statistics, but it never translates. And and I'm a believer in that stuff, but he was just one of those guys where I would always say to Brendan, like, look, man, it just isn't ever happening. I can't expect (laughs) it anymore. So, uh, it's not working for me. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, like, you know, the, and, and David Bodie, they outrighted off of the 40 man, right? And if you look at someone like McKinstry, he has no options. So in order to make that particular switch, right, you'd ha- you'd risk losing McKinstry. And I think the Cubs like the versatility, especially I think with some of the uncertainty at third base, maybe in the outfield, etc. Um, you know, I don't know that like McKinstry excites me either, though, right? So uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I'm not surprised to see Bodie go down, and I especially roster maneuvering wise uh but I am you know I really what I'm getting at is I I really want Christopher Morell to make this team um <laughs> I I I brought up last time that I I wouldn't be surprised if the team itself was concerned at the strikeout rate but you just you know you see him hitting those home runs you need the versatility you need the athleticism um and I I just hope yeah. they do that and and I bring that up with McKinstry because I you know sure the versatility is nice and McKinstry has been highly thought of at times in his career but you know the success just hasn't been there and it hasn't been there this spring either I think it bodes well for Morel to make the team given some of these cuts I mean there is a possibility that Nelson would have made the team and Morel wouldn't if they wanted to lean heavy in outfield depth yeah. with Seiya's injury so we did learn that we did learn the outfield depth I guess isn't as much of a concern that it might otherwise could have been if Seiya's injury was serious maybe that's how I'm interpreting it I don't know if that's right or not but I still hold out confidence that Morell's spot on the roster or playing time is not going to be held up by a struggling McKinstry. Right, it won't be right. held up even as weird as this sounds, Corey. Like, I don't think it will be held up even by like Nick Magical. Like, there is a quote by David Ross saying that Magicals look good at third base, but he quoted, he's got to hit and quote. Mm-hmm. So, if Magical is not hitting given Ross's urgency with younger guys, he goes in and out. For better, I think for better. Some people don't like it. He goes in and out with giving guys, young guys, playing time, putting them in situations that seem aggressive, like Morel's leadoff spot last year. I think that Morel will be on the team. I think if there's an opportunity to be had, I think Ross will give that opportunity right away. Mm-hmm. And I feel pretty good about it. I gotta say though, I like I understand the logic with McKinstry. He has not performed ever. Right. 
like that's the issue. Even yeah. even this spring, he looks awful. Right. I know it's spring training, but he just looks awful yeah. out there. Uh, yeah, that's that's sort of what I was getting at. Like I understand the roster maneuvering, um, and I understand the the versatility, the ability to play multiple positions, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, at some point you have to perform at the big league level, uh, even if it were spring training, right? Like I don't care about spring training. Uh, Dansby Swanson has like what three hits? Like I could, yeah, but he looks great. Doing I could it. care less, right? But yeah. at at some point when you haven't shown that at the MLB level and the, the the time that you've been given, limited or otherwise, like you know, a hot spring would have at least allowed people to say, okay, like sure, give him a shot, right? Like, yeah. um, I also think the lineup on Thursday was interesting. You know, we've talked about a lot of this stuff. Um, I don't think Ross has has fully tipped his hand at at how this will go, but I you know I'm trying to pay attention to some of this stuff as much as I can. Uh, a couple things that I think were interesting, right? Uh, Hosmer at first, Trey Mancini at DH, uh, Patrick Wisdom in right, and Edwin Rios at third base. And what I find and maybe interesting is the wrong word, but. Um, both Wisdom and Rios at this point are having really nice springs. And again, I, I feel like I could say this a million times. Like spring training is spring training. It, it does not matter in a certain sense. It's 30-something at bats right now for some of these guys. For Wisdom right now, it's 30. For Edwin Rios, it's 36, right? But as we've discussed, when you're trying to win a positional battle, or break camp with the team, or get a shot because you don't have any options left or something like that, it may be something that the front office and the coaches are using to evaluate and make these decisions. And I think when we look at how Ross is deploying these guys, it maybe starts to paint a little bit of a, a picture. Like Edwin Rios, yeah. they brought over, you know, they they brought him over on a, a major league contract uh, I believe it was written by some of the beat writers with the intention of him breaking camp and getting a shot on the opening day roster. He's got four homers. He's got a 944 OPS. Again, it's only 36 at bats. I swear if anybody tweets at me and says that I care about spring training numbers, I, yeah. I could not have qualified Well, that. if you add up 30 and 36, is 66. Right. That's past a stable sample sure, size for right, some metrics, yeah. you know? But yeah. So again, like it's it's a small sample, but like if that is something that they were toying with, you know, and if they were thinking, okay, you know, what do we do with Patrick Wisdom? Is he an everyday player? Do we want Nick Magical in there every day? Do we want Christopher Morell in there every day? You know, Wisdom is is out there playing whatever position they want him to play. He's being flexible. Um, I, you know, I we, we can only judge it so in so much as, you know, these spring training games, but I, I don't think he's been a disaster in the outfield. And he's putting up good numbers. He looks good. He's been on this team for a few years now. He's going to get a shot at some playing time because he is yeah. playing well and he looks good, right? Rios, they brought over with a specific intention and he's playing well. I think he's going to get a shot. So I do kind of wonder uh, if... We see, at least until Saya's back, a decent amount of Patrick Wisdom and Wright and Edwin Rios getting a shot to, you know, show what he can do, at least in some of the time at third base. I like that idea to start. I, I've said this a few times. In a perfect world, Morell owns in on that infield defense, the arm motion shortens up, the accuracy goes up as a result. That's not going to happen. It's not there. So realistically... Morell at third base on a majority of the game basis is not feasible. So then you look at the other options. You have Magical. I think the ceiling for Magical at third base is not high compared to what they else what else they have to offer. I think a ceiling of wisdom at third base, compare that with uh, Rios against certain right-handers, you can look at the weighted on base average, sum them up, predict, and play the selective matchups, and it would be pretty high. Um, I like the idea a lot. Both of them have that power. They both do well against certain pitch types. Wisdom does not do well against pitches up in the zone. Rios has a little bit more of an ability to get to those top pitches, so maybe even Rios will play against certain, let's say, left-handers if they decide to do that. I like 
the concept of those two or third mm-hmm. base. Morel, you shift around, you play in the outfield, you maybe spell Bellinger in center field a few days. You may even put wisdom right now in the short term, not the overwhelming long term, but in the short yeah. term in right field, put Morel at third base every now and then and go with it. But as it stands now, once it does come back, I like the idea of just playing up the power, yeah. having Rios and Wisdom at third base. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, and obviously, you know, the way they're playing in the spring is certainly an ideal way for that to work out. I don't expect both of them to have uh, an over 900 OPS, but I, that's what you would be hoping, right? Like they're just running into yeah. the ball and cranking homers and you take whatever you can get on an average side or anything like that. I and and sort of the reason we we kind of look at these spring numbers when you're talking about a positional battle I wonder Brendan and I'm curious like right now in 37 spring at bats Nick Madrigal's hitting 270 with a 622 OPS so like to your nice. point about David Ross he's got a hit right even if they're satisfied with the job that he's done at third base do you th- like this is a different convert like again we don't have to care about spring training numbers, and we can acknowledge that for a lot of the guys, it really doesn't matter, and it's it's irrelevant. You throw it away when the season starts, but this is a different conversation, isn't it, if Nick Madrigal's hitting 320 with an 800 OPS right now? Oh, man. If they it's think so... he looks good at third base, it, I'm just asking if you think that this is a situation where if that were the case, they're going to let him have first run at third base, or no? I think it's so contextualized i think maybe like we've seen magical on the white Sox have well above league average offense like it is within the realm of possibility for him um you know i don't know the difference between like two or three bases and one extra home run is really going to push ross forward mm-hmm. to making that decision but i think ultimately it doesn't. I just kind of got mattered. the sense that they wanted that to be the case. Yeah. And well, if they could have, like, justified it and said, hey, he had a great spring. He was I great honest, at third base. That's what we're yeah, going to do. Yeah. But, like, I, I'm a believer in that these things work its way out. And yeah. even if he had, like, a 400 batting average in spring training, if he's not hitting in the first seven games, right. that all goes yeah, away, that's dude. That's true. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and and look, I mean, I, I think the uh, first base situation is interesting as well. I mean, I I told you before we got on, you know, if we're talking about small samples in spring training, like Eric Hosmer has not been good. And I, I, my prediction to you was that I think Eric Hosmer is the guy that I end up complaining about on this podcast uh, more than anyone else. I'm, I'm just I, I'm just worried that they let that go too long. It can't happen again. It cannot happen again. But we've seen them do it a guys. million times. <laughs> yeah, but like how like you've got to learn, Corey. Do you've they? You've got to learn. I don't know. I hope so. I hope I, so. I don't know. Like there's no Man, I don't know, man. There's like no there's no incentive to keep him on the roster if he's not performing well, you know? Right. Yeah, here's, they're not paying him need, anything. Yeah, here's Padres what needs to are paying happen. Him. Mervis needs to go off. Like it has to be so obvious that there's a discrepancy well, between Hosmer keep, uh, and Mervis. Patrick Wisdom and, and Rios going hot and you play one at third, one at first, and I mean you move them I around like when you that. have to. I like that. I in, in a perfect world like here's the thing. I Hosmer to veteran leadership, all that stuff, like he has a track record of being successful, I get it. But projecting him in this baseball environment does not seem the best. Um, you know, in a in a perfect world you do have rios or wisdom play first base morel gets time at third base nick madrigal gets traded maybe for mm-hmm. a pitcher or lever and that's what happens say comes back he's completely healthy uh velasquez comes up he makes those adjustments against um you know heavy strikeout pitchers uh canario comes back healthy some point Ooh. and we don't ever talk about this ever again and these like you know fringe type discussions these veteran yeah late signings like i'm i can't do this no, i know like i i can't i'm like i'm really i'm pre preemptively working myself off yeah over Hosmer's the one the one thing i really want to see from david ross this year as a managerial test is if he can kind of look back because you know man that he loves like hosmer's grit 
right? You know it. David Ross is just one of those guys. Stop. He's a gamer, that kind of thing, right? You know that David Ross I loves know. that. I, I want him to look past it, right? <laughs> Let's look at the toolsy young guys instead, instead of, you know, I'm sure he calls him Haas, right? I, I haven't watched the interviews, but oh, that no must doubt. be what <laughs> David yeah. Ross. Attaboy Haas. Yeah, David Ross has some funny, uh, He he's like a hockey player, uh, honestly, like how he does nicknames. Um, oh, yeah? But yeah, anyway, I, that's just my prediction. I just, I just feel like he's going to be smacking ground balls to the right side and I'm going to get annoyed that it's gone on. So he's going to be your Jason Hayward this year. Maybe. I mean, that's what you it know, sounds like. Jason Gritty, who, who veteran broke camp in LA. So best of luck to him. Did he break camp? He did. It must be that he new swing. We'll be on the roster. Yeah. Look at that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, quick break here from our sponsor, GameTime. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you have ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, like the 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, it's possible with the GameTime app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. We'll find a better deal this season on Cubs games coming up in a week, Corey. They play the Brewers opening day. Game time can be your app to find those last-minute tickets. This app is created by the fans for the fans. It guarantees the lowest price, and if you love CHGO, then you will love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. You can join over 15 million people who've downloaded the game time app and scored the best seats to all your favorite events. Second break here from our sponsor, FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from social field to the living room, north or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the code CHGO for 10% off. And if you are going to get tickets to opening day next Thursday on game time, you can join the CHGO Cubs crew at the Country Club Bar on Clark. We will be having a pregame party, a live show. Luke, Cody, Ryan, myself will be there. Reserve your spot. The link will be in this episode description. You can also go and check out the link on the CHGO Cubs page. It's, you know, we've tweeted it, retweeted it, etc. That, of course, is presented by our friends at Goose Island. Again, that'll be at Country Club on Clark just before the Cubs open the season against will you be the there? Milwaukee Brewers. I will be there. Uh, obviously, wow. I, I, I won't be able to stay the whole time. I got to get into beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. Okay. I got to get my hot dog, um, <laughs> you know, so I priorities, <laughs> right? Like, I get it. So, but yeah. Do you know what you'll be wearing? Have you thought about that yet? Well, so Brendan, it's going to be chilly. Yeah. <laughs> Is so it? that how cold that, are we talking that about? Complicates things. Uh, let me pull up the weather app here. Uh, right now, <laughs> we've got a high of fifty. Of uh, fifty, low of thirty-seven. That's not that Thursday. bad. For now, right? But we we need okay. to avoid the rain. Would be nice if we can get a little sun. Keep the wind out of things. Well, it just it can't rain on opening day. That can't happen to me. Uh, right. So last year was very cold, very chilly. Um, it complicates things. I mean, I can put the jersey over, a, you know, some layers or whatever. I don't have the best Cubs, like, winter wear. Yeah. Um, I do have, well, you have, a, you have... You have a beanie, don't you? I have a beanie and I have a sweatshirt, a yeah. uh, hoodie that uh, is commemorative from the 2016 World Series that okay. the Chicago Cubs won. That they won, right? right? Yeah. Uh, not yeah. warm enough. So I a lot of layers. That that's all. What I'm about saying. that beanie? What does that What does that beanie it, say? The same thing. Have? The 2016 oh, World Series okay. champion Chicago Cubs. Yeah. That they won, right? Yeah. The World Series. It's an won. ensemble. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. I I have a new V-neck, no button Ernie Banks <sighs> from the uh, Cooperstown collection. I believe. Oh. Very nice. Was okay. a gift from my dad. Uh, oh. so maybe break that out. Could always go with the John Lester. That one you don't like, though. It's the blue walking bear 34. 
yeah, I don't could break that. that but one. I there, there's an exception because that you know jersey's significant for a particular reason. So it's okay. Yes, it all it also has yeah. a patch that says that the <laughs> Chicago Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> bang, bang, bang! Ring the bell. Um, that was like six of them in in a moment. I know. Well, people do forget. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the problem is is uh, that's kind of why I was glad I got the banks. I mean, look, I would proudly wear all of the jerseys I have. The problem, though, however, you could young Brendan is that uh, none of the jerseys I have are currently members of the Chicago Cubs. I have an Anthony Rizzo, I have a John Lester, and I have a Christopher Bryant. So have you thought about weird vibes, maybe who would be your next? Know? I don't know. No. Yeah, I know. Drew Smiley. Yeah. yeah. I can only get <laughs> old left handed pitchers. Um hey, it's your thing. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think so. We'll see. Uh, I'll send you a okay. picture of my outfit next Thursday. We'll no, we'll, we'll see what the vibes are. Head to tell. I want a picture of head to tell. Right. But yeah. anyway, getting back to uh, the current Chicago Cubs, uh, some other stuff to talk about. I want to talk about a couple pitchers with you. Um, well, firstly, I wanted to. Any other thoughts on those those minor league send downs? Anybody that you're you're particularly interested? in? And I think you would talk to me a little bit about Nick Birdie uh, and maybe being yeah. a little interested there. So, just final thoughts on those ten cuts. Yeah, I mean, I said it before, but I just default to the pitching infrastructure. They know what they're doing. Birdie didn't have the stuff over other guys, and that's where I'll leave it at. The the, the David Bodie send down, you know, not surprising. He removed off the 40 men, not, definitely not a priority. He did have success, though, in spring. He's one of the guys that has been hitting quite well, like on par with like Trey Mancini and, and those hitters. So to your earlier point about spring stats, may not matter well for Bodie it did not matter right so you can interpret that how you want in the context of other guys but that's really all I got the big the big one for me was the Velasquez one because I was just curious what they would do with him and say his injury and we have our answer all right, so let's look at a couple of other notes. Uh, obviously, you know, I think the uh, the crew, Luke, Ryan, and Cody, touched on this just as a, another note. Marcus Stroman gets the nod on opening day, I think pretty expected. I had wondered a little bit if maybe Justin Steele could earn it, uh, but no. I, that that th- this is the, the right decision. I think it, you know, really was probably the only decision um, for Stroman to get that. And uh, Jamison Tyone, nine strikeouts in oh, his good. his last outing. He's 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 rounding into form. That sweeper. I'm I'm excited for him, man. Like he's he's uh, just a solid pitcher. He's got such potential. Um, and I think you know the the Cubs got so many guys to step up last year for their rotation, and you know were such pleasant surprises, right? Like Adrian Sampson, um, and the the quality starts that he was throwing all the time, but. I, I think it's it's exciting this year to, you know, not only have the extreme potential of someone like Hayden Wisniewski and, and be so uh, ridiculously excited about what he's going to develop into and, and how good he can be, but just the stability of someone like Jamison Tyone, right? You're getting oh, yeah. a veteran, like real honest-to-goodness starting pitcher, right? Like yeah. you, you hope you can count on him for 30-something starts. He's going to throw a lot of, you know, quality starts and go deep into games. It's just something that that we were missing a lot. Like how many times last year did you and I talk about the need for the pitchers to go deeper into games, right? Because it was killing the bullpen. It was just really making things difficult on David Ross and Tommy Hadovy and stuff. And like Tyone is just, I I think he's going to be a real anchor for this rotation. And, um, you know, I know you and Ryan have, have written and talked extensively about the sweeping slider that he's been working on and stuff like that. So I'm sure seeing him uh, rack up nine strikeouts, even if it is a, a spring game against a, a mixed lineup, is, is pretty exciting. I mean, it's very exciting. You're seeing the results right before opening day. That's what you want to see. So the intent for him was always to get more whiffs with that new sweeping slider. We've talked a lot about the sweeping slider. I think people might be kind of like sick of it, but you're seeing some results. And the big thing with him is not so much of developing that pitch but it's what they want that actually pitch what they want that pitch to actually become like the goal for his slider is so ambitious that if he reaches that goal the slider is already would be in like the top 
I think 25% of the league. Like his goal with that slider is to reach about 13 to 22 inches of horizontal break, but narrow that down to a range of like 14 to 16 inches. And the reason that's important is because that would be a huge improvement from last year when it was around seven inches. So he would double that horizontal break. That would predict his whiff rate to improve by three percentage points. Doesn't seem significant, but that three percentage points goes from below league average to above league average. And if his command stays exactly as it was with a 3% uptick in whiffs, that strikeout rate goes from below league average to predictably league average to slightly above league average. That year, Ray, the projection goes from around 4 to around 3.5. You think it's not maybe like that significant in and of itself, but you go basically from a guy who's being paid $17 million to on the open market would have received around 22 to $25 million. So that is really significant, and to see him have success and expressing comfort with the pitch so close to opening day should be ex- exceptionally encouraging. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to watching Tyone work and again, just the stability. We've talked, you know, and again, like, I mean, we can get very carried away with what we think the potential is for someone like Hayden Wisniewski, but just in general, I think even if you look at like Stroman and Tyone as those top two guys and you don't necessarily think, oh yeah, one of them is going to win the Cy Young or they're going to outduel Justin Verlander, you know, for, uh, it's like that, no, you don't have to think that, but they're, they're just stable guys, right? They are, they are really good starting pitchers. Are they the best in the league? Probably not, right? Maybe they could be, they put it all together for a year or whatever, but they're, they're stable and they're really good starting pitchers. And I think that's just nice to have uh, at the top of this rotation. You think of the potential we saw from Justin Steele last year, uh, how how good Drew Smiley was in that second half, the potential of Hayden Wisniewski, the depth that they have behind that. I'm, I'm excited for this pitching staff. I really am. Um, two more things. Uh, you mentioned to me looking at Cody Bellinger's strikeout rate, which I think right now is at 17%. Yeah. And, you know, 754 OPS on the spring. He's hit uh, a few home runs, looks healthy, you know, and again, I, I don't care about his spring numbers. He's an excellent defender, excellent base runner, et cetera. Why did this, even in only a 41 plate appearance sample here in the spring, why did the 17% K rate stand out to you? Well, because he's striking out at that rate when he was at his best. So in, in you know his MVP year, of course, is going to be off the charts, but his strikeout rate was around 16%. 2020, the short season, around 17%. His struggles coincided with the inability to make contact. So he went from around you know, 16 to 17% to 27 28%. We know the changes he was trying to make. You've seen it visually watching the at-bats. At least... You see in spring, the whiffs aren't there. You talked about morale strikeouts, and that being a potential concern, Mm -hmm. whether that's real or not, who knows. But you still want to see guys make changes and have some semblance of success, right? right? Does that carry over to opening day and the start of the season? Who knows, right? But you know that if Bellinger does make more contact as he's been doing in spring, then even when he was striking out, under 20% and not hitting home runs, not hitting for a batting average as high in that shortened 2020 year, his weight on base average was still 337 with, you know, a batting average of 240. So that's kind of the, I guess the, the maybe even that's optimistic, but you can, you can see Bellinger reaching that type of potential, having a Wobo of 335, having good defense in doing so because he made like maybe a marginal increase in contact rate. That's why it stuck out to me. I don't know if something to really grasp your teeth on, but I do think it's encouraging that at least in the short term here, he is making more contact. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a key way that he would be more successful. You know, obviously he's, you know, at the, at the same time, you know, you look at that, you look at spring numbers, he's hitting under 200, uh, you know, whatever. Right. But I think, 
looking at that as a potential way for him to make that we, we've talked about how valuable he would be if he were even just closer to a league average hitter not an MVP level hitter yeah. which he obviously has shown he has in him to do uh, but even if he were only closer to league average he's an explosively valuable player with how good of a defender he is with how good of a base runner he is he's going to steal some more bases with these bigger bases as well um, and if he can make that more contact that would be one way for him to potentially get closer to that number. Uh, with his speed, his ability to run, obviously he's the type of guy he puts the ball in play more. It He has the potential to get more results. So obviously who he's facing in the spring, very different from, you know, let's say Corbin Burns, uh, you know, on opening day at Wrigley Field, obviously, right? It's a much taller task to continue making contact against uh, the the peak arms of an MLB baseball team, but perhaps a trend to look at and something to be uh, curious about if he can keep that going. Uh, last thing, Brandon Hughes dealing with a knee injury and uh, opening day in jeopardy. Your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunate. He was one guy we were even talking about maybe getting shots to close out games. He was a consistent guy for the Cubs last year, over 60 innings pitched. He talked about early on in spring how he was excited about that and how the ramp-up period is a little bit different because he went through that 60-inning sample last season. So it is disappointing. Um, you know, his spot on the opening day roster is potentially jeopardized. They may want more depth. Um, they may put him on the IL as a result. We already know Keegan's dealing with some issues. So it just sucks. Is it a significant injury? It doesn't appear as if it's significant, but you want the Cubs to be at 100% capacity because you know their margin for error is small and you want them to start off fast. So not having... Brandon Hughes to start the season is disappointing. I think it's for for a bullpen that needs stability despite that potential. Losing Hughes early on does suck. Yeah, absolutely. And you know he he just was so successful. Ross leaned on him so much uh, in 2022, and you know I, I think hopefully he can work through this and again be a, a significant contributor uh, as players can do without doing so immediately on opening day. Uh, but you know you just don't want guys to be dealing with stuff. You want them to be healthy. You want them to be able to uh, capitalize on all that work that they put in not only last year, but in the off season and building up and, you know, just not have to deal with this stuff. And I think uh, he, you know, showed so much potential to be a real star in that bullpen. And again, I, th- I think he'll still do that. Uh, but you just, you know, never like to hear this stuff. Again, it, it's why I, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm not a big like, uh, they didn't spend a lot of money on it, but you know, I'm not a big like spend on the bullpen. I want to see these young arms. I want to see the Cubs continuing to develop this pipeline of their own arms and guys that have big time velocity, et cetera. But I, I liked those, you know, the Fulmer, Boxberger bullpen additions for, for just this reason. It just gives them some stability, some guys that have this experience and you have a little bit of time to deal with this stuff. And hopefully by the end of the year, you have Brandon Hughes and Keegan Thompson and you know maybe like we talked about with the cuts Cam Sanders throwing huge high leverage innings for the Chicago Cubs and blowing guys away but at least to start you know you can turn to these veterans and hopefully they can steady the ship just to get us out of this you know cold month of April and and start the season and keep things stable at least to start and you know I don't think you need to necessarily be envisioning leaning on them completely for 162 games but yeah that's uh that that's what we got man uh it'll be opening day by the time you hear from Brendan and I again um it's it's go time (laughs) let's go (laughs) that's 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 what I have uh it's it's time to rip the band-aid off and and get this thing started obviously we have quite an interesting last week of spring training here we we definitely have uh still I I think kind of a, a a decent handful Brendan of unanswered questions of how this roster exactly looks who are those last few in last few out it's it's almost like uh you know, the the CBS, like, bracket selection for March Madness, right? Like, who are those bubble players? Who are those last ones getting in? Who's just missing the cut? 
Um, and, you know, what does that lineup look like on opening day? Who's getting the first nod at third base? Who's getting the first nod in right field? Um, it's going to be interesting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think, you know, we all kind of have some measured expectations again for this team, which I think is fair and, and reason. Yeah, right. Exactly. Ones. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's going to be fun and, and I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get it going here. I, I do miss, you know, baseball daily in my life. And I, again, don't count spring training as, as filling that I void. Do. I, I, I need do. the, the 120 every day. I got to hear Pat welcome me to beautiful, historic Wrigley Field uh, alongside former Cub and All-Star Ron Coomer. Pat, of course, now a Hall of Famer. Uh, I, I, yeah. I hope he works that into his uh, intro. He's not going to work that in. He's too humble. I know, but maybe Ron will, you know? Yeah. Something like Hopefully. that. Hopefully. Um, at least yeah. for opening day. Ham it up a little bit, Pat. You earned okay. it. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm ready to get this going uh, and have Chicago Cubs baseball back in our lives. Yeah, I'm gonna miss spring training. That's my take. <laughs> because now you have to agonize over all of this. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I you know it is nice. You get off during your work day. You come back. You watch a Cubs game at night. Hopefully, it's a win. But you know the next day. You do the same thing again. Right. And there's something beautiful about that. Yeah. So uh, we are ready to get that going. Uh, as we said, check out the pregame event on Thursday if you're in the Chicago area planning on coming to the game. That link will be in the description of this podcast. Also on all CHGO Cubs social media, allchgo.com. You can reach out to one of us if you're interested. It is a free event. Uh, would love to see you there, meet you, share a beer, etc. Get ready for the season. Brendan and I will talk to you again soon. And uh, as always, go Cubs!